0: fulfilling the ultimate goal of being who we are, maintaining the unity of the church that God has already created. So in order for us to think about our commitment, uh, let's open up uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and think about this last section of this chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, I'd like to begin reading with verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. There's that verse. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the idea. We need to, we need to keep moving forward to full maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, he says... joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, I pray now that as we think about these verses, that you would speak to us, certainly individually, but my heart is that you would speak to us as a whole, Speak to us as a body and how we as Three EFC together can keep moving forward. To that end, I commit this time of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. The suggestion that I have here, a growing and maturing local church, first immediately brings up Two questions. First question is this. Is Paul referring to ultimate maturity in the next life? Or is he talking about maturity toward which we should work in this life? That's an important question. Because, of course, we can never reach the full maturity um, and the fullness of Christ um, that God has for us uh, in the next life. But I would suggest to you that the context of this verse tells us that yet we should be working towards maturity in this life. If you go back to the previous chapter and look at verse 19, you'll find the Apostle Paul praying for the church. And look at what he prays for them in verse 19. That we may know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul's praying that that may be our present experience together. And that's exactly what it says here in verse 13. Again, Paul says, I expect that the Ephesians will grow in maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ in this life. So, moving forward towards maturity, growing towards maturity, is something that God wants us to have in this life. Further, spiritual growth to maturity is the expectation of the following verses in verse four, chapter 4, where Paul tells us in verse 17, don't live as unbelievers, live as believers. Verse 25, put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Verse 28, don't steal, but... Uh, Give to those in need. Verse 29, don't speak unwholesomely, but edify each other. In other words, grow in the way that you relate to one another. Therefore, while we will never reach perfection in this life, growth and maturity is a present challenge and actually an expectation that Paul gives us to work towards in this life. And so then that leads me to my second question. Is Paul referring to the individual or to the local church? And I would suggest to you that he is speaking to the local church. Verse 12. As a body of Christ, we may be built up. Verse 15. To a mature body. Verse 16. So that the whole body grows. And builds itself up. So while we are all individuals, when we come together, we check our individual identity at the door. Okay? We check it at the door. Because when we're together as a church, we are a body. And then God says, as a body, we need to grow. We need to keep moving forward as a group, as a body. And so here's what I'm suggesting. Local churches who maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, Sermon 1, and who accomplish ministry in the midst of diversity, Sermon 2, must continue to grow in maturity as a body. We must keep moving forward together as a local church. I'm going to put on my interim pastor hat now and talk with you about the life cycle of a local church. And here's the life cycle of a local church. Local churches begin, and then they grow, and then they reach maturity. And then they plateau, And begin to decline. And when they decline. They become less and less effective. Maintaining the unity in the bond of peace. And experiencing ministry in diversity. This is just the life cycle of a local church. It's the life cycle of any organization. And so what has to happen then. If a church or any organization is really really on the ball and they want to say, well, we don't want to decline, here's what they do. The next graph shows that something has to happen on the road to maturity. And what has to happen is what's called the sigmoid curve. And this is a word that's taken from the Greek letter sigma or S to refer to an S curve. And so what has to happen in an organization is, as they are growing towards maturity, before they get to the top and plateau and decline, something happens. They take an initiative, and they begin a new initiative, and they introduce a new S-curve, which then becomes the new bell curve and the new growth cycle. This is very important to happen in in organization, And if it doesn't happen, the church is going to reach maturity and then it's going to decline. Yesterday at our men's conference, we heard the story of a company, maybe you remember, it's called Blockbuster Video. Don't you remember Blockbuster Video? Well, Blockbuster Video was really strong in the late 1990s and early 2000s. And by 2004, they reached maturity. They had 9,000 stores internationally, 85,000 employees, and they were raking in billions and billions of dollars every year. And they were on their way, and they had almost reached, in fact, I think they did reach maturity. And something very interesting happened. There's this small upstart group that really figured out that instead of using uh, VCR video cassettes, Let's stream movies into people's homes through their computers. This company is called Netflix. Netflix went to Blockbuster Video and said, How about if you guys buy us? And and Blockbuster Video said, Are you kidding? You little scrawny little company? I mean, we're Blockbuster Video. We don't need you. So they said no. Well, 10 years later, Blockbuster Video is down to one store in Oregon. And Netflix has 156 million subscribers. What happened? Blockbuster Video did not understand the life cycle of an organization. Because unless, when you're reaching the top in maturity, unless you introduce another S curve, you're going to grow to plateau and you're going to decline. Now, how does that apply to a local church, our local church? Well, our church survey that we took back in, in uh, 2017 indicated that our congregation was well on their way towards growing in maturity. We were doing well. And uh, something happened 18, 15 months ago. God decided we needed a new S-curve. Because I think God decided, I don't want this church to plateau and decline. And so he gave us, he kind of imposed upon us An S curve, didn't he? Pastor Nile resigned. And when that happened, letter A, there was pain. And it hurt. And now we're in the midst of the transition, the shaded area. But it won't be long until we trust. Our search committee brings us a candidate, the congregation votes, and God willing, Whoever it is, we'll call him to be our next pastor. And initially, there's going to be great rejoicing and great joy, right? But what's going to happen when the honeymoon is over? There's going to be some more pain. Why? Because we've got to adjust to each other. We've got to learn how to get along. We've got to figure out, well, now who are we as a church? But it will happen. And once that adjustment happens, you will begin to begin another life cycle, and you'll go on to maturity. But guess what's going to happen? Eventually, you'll get to that top, and unless you start new S curves, now it doesn't have to be as drastic as getting a new pastor. (laughs) I mean, that's about as drastic as you can get for a local church. What I'm talking about here is the necessity of a local church to open up the windows and get a breath of fresh air about something. Something that captivates the church. Something that says, whoa, this is really cool. This is a new thing for us to consider. It might be, it might be just some new initiative. It might just be some new idea. It might just be tweaking something that's already happening. But it's opening the window and getting something fresh so that you can start a new S-curve so that you don't reach maturity, plateau, and decline. Now, is this a biblical idea? Well, I would suggest that this idea is firmly planted in the verses that we just read. I would suggest to you that these verses tell us that a local church, the model that God has given us in Ephesians 4 tells us we must grow. We must move forward as a body. We must grow, move forward as a body. And Paul tells us three ways to do that. First, in verse 14, he says, make sure you continue lifelong learning. Lifelong learning. Look at verse 14 with me again. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The NIV uses the word teaching here. That includes fundamental doctrines, which were outlined in verse 2. Remember the seven ones that we talked about? We've got to grow in the seven ones. But I think this also includes the idea of growing together in practices of living. To live here is how to grow in spiritual maturity as a body. And notice the phrase infants. See, when a local church begins, it's a young church. Now, the people who started our church are by no means spiritual infants. Good heavens. Godly, mature people with their families who had a vision. And they, they started our church. But as godly and mature as these people were, guess what happened when they started our church? Our church was what? Young. Nothing to be apologized about. That's just the way churches start. And when they they began to grow and they began to move forward, they learned. And we have to continue to have that attitude of learning. I would suggest that we need to keep growing and understanding our personality as a church. Beginning to look at learning better ways of doing things growing in the way we address cultural controversy. Back when our church was formed, there was no such thing as millennials. They weren't invented yet. (laughs) But now they are. So I would suggest, if as we do have stated, we are interested in attracting millennials, we need to learn what is a millennial? How do they think What do they need? What are they like? What's important for them in a church? We need to be lifelong learners as a body. Because if we're not, we'll plateau and decline. And so maybe this idea of understanding millennials is opening the door for a breath of fresh air that captivates us and gets us thinking, whoa. And our church gets around the idea and we think, this is exciting. And it's our new S-curve. We need to grow in our depth of worship. We need to grow in our generosity and giving. We need to grow in the way we embrace sacrifice and suffering. And when we do, we will be guarded, as Paul says, of being tossed around by our culture. The stuff that happens in elections isn't going to bother us because we are a growing, mature, learning body. I would suggest to us that we need to think about and have in the front of our memory always learning, lifelong learning. It's how we work and maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Second, by loving dialogue. That's how we move forward. Let's read verse 15. Verse 15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, here it is, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. How do we become a mature body? Well, I've summarized this verse by loving dialogue. Studying the grammar of this phrase, really it means truthing in love. Truthing in love. Speaking the truth in love. But it requires that we do more than just communicate a message. It includes living the life. It includes walking the walk. It includes talking the talk. It includes walking in life. Our talk about life. The context clearly has to do with speaking about applying the truth of the Bible to our body. Verse 4 speaks about the fundamental biblical truths. Verse 13 says that we need to be established and grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Verse 14 says we need to grow to become like Jesus. And so we don't just talk about truth, we talk about biblical truth, okay? We speak biblical truth. That means addressing distortions of the scriptures. It means resisting groupthink. You know what groupthink is? Groupthink is when a person doesn't want to rock the boat, so they say nothing and they go along with the group. Speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth says, no, I'm going to throw something on the table and I'm going to begin speaking about it with my finger on the text, speaking the truth. Think of speaking truth without love. Ever thought about that? A person smells something that might be biblically or morally or otherwise questionable and they might be right. Right? And so their muscles ripple and their eyes blaze with the passion of battle. And we all know where that's going to go. Now, think about, on the other hand, speaking love without truth. That puts the warm fuzzies of apparent peace ahead of the warning and correction that would save a situation from exploding. It might allow our church to move to the top of the maturity curve, but then unaware, begin the downward decline into serious problems because no one spoke up. Instead, Paul tells us lovingly, I love this word dialogue. I love dialogue. Put it on the table and talk. Now, I offer a few cautions in this area, speaking to our church as a whole. Be careful with social media. Um, Be careful what you post. Be careful with emails, because emails never communicate what you're really trying to say. As, As good a writer as you may be, you'll never successfully communicate your heart. Dialogue. Talk together. Be careful about calling out groups from our culture. You know what I mean by groups? This group or that group or this. If you do that, you know what will happen? Somebody from that group might be in church that Sunday seeking, seeking resolution from the way God is working in their heart. And we say something derogatory about that group, guess what? There's no way that person is ever going to communicate their need for Christ and they surely won't do it here. Be careful with self-righteous criticism of the terrible sinfulness of people trapped in bondage because they're but for the grace of God, right? See, we need to help our church grow and move forward as a body by speaking in loving dialogue. I love that. Loving dialogue. And then Paul gives us his third how-to, verse 16, by internal alignment. Let me read this verse. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now that word internal alignment, that's an interim pastor word. So let me try to translate it for you. Notice the emphasis on the body, the whole. The whole body grows and builds itself up in love. Once again, Paul reminds us that growth is important, and as a local church, we must not plateau. We must keep moving forward. The whole body grows, Paul says. But also notice that he says it's, and each part does its work. So that requires that we understand diversity and everybody doing their part. But this verse also has an interesting and important phrase that helps us to consider how to do that in a way that we understand that every one part influences the other part. And that phrase is this joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Now, Paul loves the example of the body. And you know the body, you know that song, you know the hand bones connected to the wrist bone, the wrist bone connected to the elbow bone. The bones are connected together by what? Joints, right? And if you're as old as I am, you know that the older you get, your joints don't work as well as they used to. Joints are connected together and they work by ligaments. What would happen to a knee or an elbow if the ligaments joined to it, pull in a different direction? The joint just doesn't work. In fact, you will damage the joint. This is where I get the idea of internal alignment. We as a body have to understand that we are connected together and our joining together of our ligaments to our joints must be coordinated. We've got to be moving together as a body together, realizing that my ligament pulling this way needs to be pulling the same way as this ligament in order for the whole joint to work well. And so, moving forward, I suggest, requires internal alignment. Now, let me give you three questions and one caution with this word internal alignment. First question, what do we do and why do we do it? Boy, if we don't answer those questions, how in the world can we work together? What do we do? Well, we've already decided that. Our mission statement is, we will connect people to God, we will grow them to be like Christ, and we will equip them to serve others. We've already answered that question. So everything that we do, we need to move towards making that joint work correctly. Why do we do it? We've already answered that question too. In our Constitution, we have written this, quote, the purpose of this organization is to spread the gospel of Jesus in every way prescribed or approved by the Holy Scriptures. We've already got question one down. We've answered it. So now we have to say, how do we move our ligaments to make those two things happen, which has our second question. What's our strategy? What's our strategy to fulfill our mission and our purpose? Well, here's where we have to think about What has our leadership board done in the past? When Pastor Naya was here, he began the idea of organizing leadership teams. He organized several leadership teams while he was here. And he left and was not able to get all of our leadership teams organized. But many of them were well on their way. So when I came, I just met with our servers, our ministry leaders, and I said, so how can we continue this momentum that Pastor Nile created? And I went to all of our leaders and I said, what are you already doing and where do you want to go as a ministry team? And I helped them organize and state their mission and their values in order to have ligaments moving towards accomplishing our mission and our purpose. And so our board two years ago and our board last year established, we want to fan the flames of these leadership teams. We think that that's a really good way to move our church forward. So what we did is we created descriptions of these ministries, aligned each one to our mission statement and our purpose statement, and we submitted them back to the teams for their approval. We said, is this what you want to do and how you want to do it? And all of our ministry teams that consist said, yeah. That's, they made that decision. Not me, they did. And we decided this is going to be the way that we move forward together as a body. So then that takes us to the question then what's the role of the board? What is if we've got our ministry teams organizing the team, what's the role of the board? Remember last week's sermon? The role of the board is to help these ministry teams, what? Succeed. That's what the board does. The board doesn't interfere with our leadership teams. The board doesn't micromanage our leadership teams. We really do sincerely try to meet together as a board and say, how can we help our ministry teams succeed? What do they need from us? How can we come alongside of them? How can we encourage the leaders? How can we help the leaders succeed in leading his or her team? How can we help that team succeed in leading their volunteers? How can we help that ministry move forward? That's our heart. Now, we don't always do it right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just as sinful as everybody else. But that's what we're trying to do. We feel that if we can get that culture going in our church... We can get the idea of empowering leaders. Oh, we ask our candidates when we interview people all the time. What do you think? How do you understand empowering ministry? Really an important question. Because that's the strategy that the board wants to continue to promote. How can we empower our leadership teams? But we have one, uh, one other question that we ask the leadership teams in general. I won't go too much in this. But we want to ask our leadership teams, what do we need to do to be good at to win and how do we measure success? We want our teams to ask those questions. Get together. What do you need to succeed? What do you need for the win? What is success in your team? How do you measure that? And challenge them to be thinking and planning for the future. But here's the caution. The caution is this. Growth as a body of believers requires that everyone in the church has the same answer to these three questions. What do we want to do and how are we going to do it? What's our strategy and how can we evaluate to move forward? We all have to have the same answer to that question. And here's why. Very interesting and important Um, quote from the Harvard Business Review. All too often, individual leaders seek to protect and optimize their own domains and components rather than align and improve across the entire enterprise. That's what we need to do for internal alignment. That's how the joint begins to function well, when all the ligaments are moving in the same direction, oh, it's easy to have a vision that thinks, well, my, my area is the most important one. Um, actually, it's not. It's one of the many. Now, there may be seasons when one ministry defers to another. Well, of course, that happens all the time, doesn't it? There's a season when we defer to our worship team over Advent. We deferred to them. And everything we did deferred to our worship team for that season. But that doesn't mean that their season lasts all year. (laughs) You see, we've got to learn how to help. There's a season when we defer to our youth and children's ministry. There are seasons when we defer to our building and grounds ministry. But the reason we do is because it makes our joint work better. We're all moving in the same direction. And that's how we grow together as a local church. And I floated the idea that it would, I think, be helpful for us to get all of our leaders together and talk about these questions. Certainly not a closed-door meeting. Anybody who wants to come would certainly be invited to come. But if we never get our leaders together to talk about where they want to go and how that might affect the other ministries, we're not going to be pulling together in the same direction. How often do we need to do that? I don't know, two, three times a year maybe? But get everyone why would we not want to get together as leaders and talk about how what we're doing affects what you're doing? Because that builds the body so that the joints work better. That's my heart. That's my heart. That's all I want to try to do. This to continue to do what Pastor Nile began. Move us forward. Keep moving forward. So let me outline these three sermons. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. The goal, maintain the unity that Jesus already created. Be who we are. Two, process. Mobilize the diversity that God has given us. Help each other succeed. And three, grow as a body in maturity. Keep moving forward by lifelong learning, by loving dialogue, by internal alignment. And Peter gives us a fitting closing promise. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. There you go. God's building us into a spiritual house. A holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That Brothers and sisters, is what I think Paul is telling us in these 16 verses of of Ephesians 4. And that, brothers and sisters, is a model for us to consider. We'll never do it perfectly, but let's consider it. And let's be moving towards that. Make it a matter of prayer. How would God have us interact with these truths that the Apostle Paul has given us? There will be no limit to how God can use this church. (laughs) No limit. As we submit to his principles and live in his power. Lord God, these are just general ideas. We could talk about each one of them for a week. Help us to consider them. And help us to begin interacting with this model that you've given to us from your word. And Lord, thank you for those who have gone before us, who have led us to become who we are today. And may we be continuing to move forward by your grace and honor them by moving forward so that we never plateau and decline, but always move forward. For your honor and for your glory, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Ian is going to share a couple of announcements, and then let's have one closing psalm. because I.